Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sports by the Hour podcast. Uh, tonight, me and Schwab are going over our reactions to the week one of the 2019 NFL season. Uh, the first game I'm going to talk about is the Bears versus Packers game. Uh, it was the first game of the year. It was Thursday night game. Uh, I picked the Bears in this one. I was wrong. Uh, Packers won 10-3. to uh, Both teams got off a terrible offensive starts. The Bears' defense was all over Aaron Rodgers from the start of the game. Uh, when the Bears got on offense, the very first first offensive play they snapped was a fumble, which actually was a pretty accurate representation of their offense for the whole entire game. They played terrible. Uh, the Bears did manage to get a field goal in the first quarter. Uh, the quarter ended 3-0 Bears, and the Packers were held to negative uh, 12 yards at the end of the first quarter. Uh, the only touchdown in the game came in the second quarter. Aaron Rodgers threw a uh, jump ball to Jimmy Graham in the end zone. Uh, Jimmy Graham, it was an eight-yard pass. He just beat his defender up to the ball. Uh, halftime score was pretty simple. It was 7-3 uh, to three Packers. Uh, in the third quarter, Mitchell Trubisky continued to struggle. He had a terrible game, in my opinion. Uh, on a drive with six minutes left in the third quarter, uh, the Bears got all the way to the Packers' 28-yard line and did not score. The reason why they didn't score is because they got two delayed games on that drive that pushed them back, and on a 4th and 10, instead of taking a 50-yard field goal and making it 6-7, six, six to seven, uh, they went for it, and Trubisky ended up rushing for 3 yards. <sighs> then, in the 4th quarter, they had another drive um, that ended up at one point being 1st and 40. The amount of penalties that the Bears' offense was getting was ridiculous. Uh, if the Packers weren't destroying their uh, offense, the Bears were killing their own offensive drives with penalties. Uh, the only drive that the, that the Bears had that was a good drive was the fourth quarter, five minutes left in the game. Trubisky drove his team down the field. He got to the Green Bay 16-yard line. Then, with the game on the line, he's trying to tie it with five minutes left in the fourth. He stares down Allen Robinson in the corner of the end zone. And Adrian Amos slides over and picks him off, sealing the game for the Packers. Also, he was rushed, and he did, he did have severe pressure on this throw from Packers' new DN, Zadarius Smith. Uh, Zadarius Smith got a perfect jump on the ball. I actually had to go back and rewatch it because I thought he was offsides, but it, it was just an all-around great play by the Packers' defense, and Trubisky just... Once again, had a terrible game, and it came out in the final drive where they could have tied the game. That it was, it felt right that when he threw that pick, that that's how the game would have ended. My overall takeaways for the Packers defense were much better than I thought. Uh, I was, I disrespected them. They are, they have new additions: Darnell Savage, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. That that new Packers defense, which Aaron Rodgers was super excited about. They're, they're going to be good. Uh, also, another takeaway, the Bears' defense is still amazing. Uh, contained Rodgers to one touchdown, 10 points. If you would have told me the final score of that game was 10-3, to I would have told you that the Bears definitely won. Uh, another takeaway is Trubisky and the Bears' offense has some major problems that need to be fixed by week two and for the remainder of the season if they want to win this division. Um, also, it was surprising to me that both teams – had very, very poor run games. Uh, the Packers rushed for only 46, 47 yards, 
and the Bears rushed for 46 yards. Uh, both teams' defenses played pretty well. Uh, they both got five sacks, and the Packers' defense actually hit Trubisky 11 times. So the first game we'll be covering is the Baltimore Ravens versus Miami Dolphins. Despite the Miami Dolphins having one of the worst, if not the worst, defense in the NFL, Lamar Jackson showed the improvement and progress he has made between his rookie campaign and now. Playing roughly three and a half quarters, finishing with 324 pass yards, five pass touchdowns, an incredible 85% completion rate going 17 for 20, and becoming the first 22-year-old to ever have a perfect 158.3 passer rating in a regular season game. He spent his time during the game picking apart the defense, throwing quick slants across the middle or perfect in-stride deep, deep passes down the field. Hollywood Brown played fantastic, easily beating his man downfield and gaining absurd amounts of yards after the catch. A major surprise of the game was tight end Mark Andrews, who finished the day with eight catches for 108 yards and a touchdown. Mark Ingram also had an amazing debut in Baltimore, starting off with a 49-yard run in the first quarter and finishing with 14 carries for 107 yards and two trips to the end zone. Another takeaway was just how great this Baltimore defense is. Highly anticipated new addition Earl Thomas recorded an interception during the game as Baltimore forced three turnovers, two of which being picked off, the other being a fumble recovery. Only allowing 200 total yards, Baltimore offense outplayed them with 643 yards of offense gaining the most yards of total offense in a season over since the Rams in 1951. Franchise records were also set, with the 42 first half points being the most ever scored by Baltimore in a half. Hollywood Brown also became the first player to ever have two touchdown catches of 40 plus yards in his debut, finishing with four catches for 147 yards and those two touchdowns. The game was a route. It showed the league just how scary this Baltimore team can be in the run game and in the air. The defense was dominant, sending a message to other teams that Baltimore is a team to be feared this year. For the Dolphins, things could have gone better, especially with how the offensive line performed since trading Laramie Tunzel to the Texans. Um, yeah, I have similar thoughts on the Ravens' performance. Uh, first off, Lamar Jackson had a perfect QBR rating of a 158.3. Like Schwab said earlier, he went 17 for 20 on his pass attempts. He threw for a 240. 300, my, my apologies, 324 yards and five touchdowns. I'm not going to lose my mind over this, but for the people that think Lamar isn't good enough to be a quarterback or that he can't throw a deep ball, he proved you all wrong this weekend. Now, the offensive line did play amazing and gave him time in the pocket, where he became comfortable early in the game and gained confidence as the game went on. Um, another thing that Schwab pointed out earlier, both the, the big star new additions that the Ravens added, Earl Thomas and Mark Ingram had amazing days. Earl Thomas with a pick and Mark Ingram with 107 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Ravens overall had six touchdown passes and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, altogether, uh, Robert Griffin III threw one touchdown pass, so that's why Lamar only had one, which we blew out the Dolphins. The Ravens outplayed the Dolphins on every part of the game. Offense, defense, and special teams. The Dolphins On special teams, the Dolphins muffed a punt, and the Ravens faked the punt. Gaining, a, gaining 60 yards from that play. Defensively, the Ravens went off. With two interceptions, Earl Thomas, like we referenced earlier, and Marlon Humphrey, who is my favorite player on the defense. The Ravens got seven sacks and hit the QB 12 times. The Dolphins got one sack and hit the QB twice. Owasu for the Ravens was all over the field with six tackles, one sack, and one pass deflected. For the Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Rosen both struggled. The Ravens passed for us pass rush continuously got to them and put pressure on them. The Ravens killed the Dolphins 59-10. to 
The next game we're going to talk about is the Cleveland Browns versus the Tennessee Titans. The Browns' opening drive was eight plays for 73 yards and a touchdown. We saw the Browns' offense that has been hyped up and we have been expecting for only one drive. Then they disappeared. Baker was under constant pressure. He was sacked five times and taken down for his safety. For the Titans, A.J. Brown had 100 yards on three catches. Delaney Walker had five catches for 55 yards and two touchdowns. Mariota, surprisingly, played pretty well. He was 14 for 24 on pass attempts. He had 248 yards with three touchdowns and 24 rushing yards. The score heading into the fourth was actually close. It was 21 to 13 Titans, which might be surprising with the final score being 43 to 13. But it makes sense because Cleveland fell apart in the fourth quarter. They turned the ball over four times, Baker threw three picks, and they had one turnover on downs. They also had 18 penalties. You can't expect to win a game with four turnovers in the fourth quarter and 18 penalties. Now, I did have one problem with this game. In the fourth quarter, with seven minutes left, seven minutes and 43 seconds left, it was first and 10 for the Browns. Baker was in the pocket when the, when the Titans player named Sharif Finch grabs Baker by the jersey. Baker spins out of it and rolls out to expend the play, and the refs blow the whistle and call it a sack. I have a big problem with this. Uh, Baker's forward motion had never stopped. Finch didn't have him wrapped or anything. He just had one, one hand gripped on Baker's jersey. In my opinion, you have to let the players play football, and you cannot call this play dead. Schwab, what are your opinions on the game? I still think the Browns' offense has a lot of potential. I think that they can still be a very dangerous team in the division. The Titans, as I predicted earlier, Marcus Mariota and Derrick Henry are out to prove something this season. They showed that in week one. Marcus Mariota played the best game of his career by far, and Derrick Henry nearly had 100 yards in the air and on the ground. He also had a touchdown receiving and rushing, including that 75-yard screen pass that went for 75 yards to the house. This is the New England Patriots versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, what are your opinions on the game? Brief rundown. Uh, the Patriots got out to a big lead early. Um, the score was 20-0 to at halftime. The Patriots' quick and early scoring got the Steelers away from the run game. Therefore, James Conner, in their best all-around all offensive weapon, never got going. Their passing game was rough, with no A.B. and Juju becoming their number one target. He was locked down by a tier one corner and Stephon Gilmore. Uh, the offense clearly isn't the same, and the defense is talented, but is very young and inexperienced. Um, in my opinion, Big Ben struggled the whole game, and he couldn't get an offense going. On the other side, Tom Brady had no problem. He picked apart the defense for 341 yards and three touchdowns. The only positive thing I could find for the Steelers was rookie Devin Bush had seven tackles and an impressive first game as a Steeler. Does this change any of your opinions on future outcomes of the season for these two teams? Um, well, for the Steelers, we both ranked them third in the division, which I think some people would say that's kind of low, but uh, I'm going to keep them at third in the division. Uh, next week will be a big week for them. They're going to play Seattle. Uh, I have Seattle winning that division. I expect Seattle to win that game, and the Steelers start 0-2. Uh, I think that would be it would be very hard for them to overcome that and win our division or get a wild card in the hard AFC. Uh, for the Patriots, they beat them 33-3, and they looked amazing. And next week, they're going to have Antonio Brown. So 
I expect the, the Patriots to be a tier one top notch team that obviously has Super Bowl written all over them. Yeah, I think that the Patriots are still the Patriots. I think that they're going to take the division easily. Um, the Steelers, I had them ranked at number three in the division. Uh, I'm going to keep them there. Possibly when A.J. Green comes back for the Bengals, and if the Steelers are still playing like what they did in week one, I could even see myself putting the Steelers at the bottom of the division. The next game we're going to talk about is the Monday night game, Raiders versus the Broncos. Derek Carr played amazing. It's the best game I've seen from Derek Carr since he broke his leg in December of 2016. He completed 22 of his 26 passes for 259 yards and one touchdown. The other stud for the Raiders was rookie Josh, running back Josh Jacobs, who ran for 85 yards and two touchdowns. He also had 26 receiving yards, being the first running back to have over 100 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns on their NFL debut since LT. Also, Tyrell Williams had 105 yards and on six catches and one touchdown. The Broncos, on the other hand, never really got their offense going. In my opinion, they need to have Philip Lindsay in the game and involved in the game as soon as possible. The man makes plays as a running back and as a receiver. In my opinion, Royce Freeman was getting too many snaps. The other impact player on this offense is Corlin Sutton. The man is a beast. I expect a great season from Sutton. He had 120 yards on six catches. Joe Flacco, in my opinion, didn't play bad. His team just stalled in the red zone and kept settling for field goals, while the Raiders' offense was firing on all cylinders. On the defensive side of the ball, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb came up small, really small. Miller had five tackles and no real big play, and Chubb had three tackles. I kept waiting for Vaughn to make some crazy play, but it never happened. The Raiders' O-line contained him the entire game. Schwab, what are your thoughts on the game? I've never liked Joe Flacco as a quarterback. Uh, I thought he was highly overrated in Baltimore, and I think he's going to be highly overrated in Denver. He didn't have the best game, but he also didn't have the worst. He did throw for nearly 300 yards and had a touchdown without an interception. But he was also sacked three times for 19 yards. Part of that is due to the offensive line. Part of that is also due to him not being able to get rid of the ball quick enough and his receivers not being able to get open. The Raiders secondary also isn't that strong either. So as much as I want to say that it's partially on the receivers, I can't. I think it's more just Joe as a quarterback. The next game I'm going to talk about is the Houston Texans versus the New Orleans Saints. The first thing I want to say is the Houston Texans have a huge problem. Deshaun Watson has shown that he's a franchise quarterback. He has shown that he can be great and amazing, and he showed it again on Monday night. He has a very special talent, and yet the Texans refuse to get this man an O-line. He was the most sacked QB in the league last year, getting sacked 65 times. That's an average of four times a game. He got sacked six times last night and got a hit 11 times. He's taking a beating, and they are going to rob themselves, the NFL, and everyone of seeing this young man's amazing career. They need to do a better job of protecting Deshaun Watson. It's inexcusable. In their own division, they saw Andrew Luck retire because of injuries and not having an O-line. I know they traded for Laramie Tunzel, but it's just not good enough. Now to the game. This game for me 
was by far the most enjoyable game to watch in week one. It started off slow with the Saints not moving the ball well in the first half. Uh, Deshaun Watson, on the other hand, had a nice 21-yard rush, but he seemed to knock the wind out of himself diving into the end zone, but he shook it off. Then, at the end of the second quarter, Will Lutz, who was an extremely good and accurate kicker, missed a 56-yard field goal. I personally thought he would make it, but it just tailed a little to the left. He had the distance, though. Then, in the, in the second half, it became a game. In the third quarter, Latavius Murray scored on, 30 yard, th- scored on a 30-yard pass, making it 14-10, the Texans over the Saints. Then, Hopkins scored a touchdown on a 16-yard pass, making it 21-10. Breeze answers with a, TD, with a touchdown pass to Taysom Hill the beloved gadget player of the New Orleans Saints. Then, at the end of the third quarter, Watson throws a deep pass to Hopkins, but he does underthrow it a little bit, giving safety Marcus Williams a chance to jump it. After the interception, Hopkins goes and makes a tackle. He picks up Williams and body slams him. Was it an aggressive play? Yes. But I don't know if it was unnecessary roughness. He didn't drop him on his head. He didn't stomp on him or anything like that. He just slung him over his body. Once again, I like football players. I like football players playing football. I understand the NFL wants safety and keep injuries down, but football is football, and you need to let the players play. You need to let them show emotion. That's why people are entertained by it. Then, in the fourth quarter, the game got even better. Breeze throws a 14-yard touchdown pass to Josh Hill, making it 24-21, Saints in the lead now. Then, Watson was pinned in his own end zone. On a third down, throws a 21-yard strike to the diving DeAndre Hopkins. It was a beautiful throw and catch. In the fourth quarter, the game became even better. Breeze threw a 14-yard touchdown pass to Josh Hill, making it 24-21 Saints. Then Watson, pinned in his own end zone, throws a strike to the diving DeAndre Hopkins on third down for 21 yards. Then the Texans did stall out and had the punt back to Drew Breeze with 3 minutes and 29 seconds left. I thought the game was over, but I was wrong. On that, on, the, on that drive, it was third and two with one play until the two-minute warning. The Saints desperately needed to get this first down. So Breeze drops back and throws a 40-yard strike to Ted Ginn Jr., who just killed Aaron Colvin in man-to-man coverage. The Saints then, after the, after the game, released Colvin after his week one performance. The Saints used up almost all the clock, settling with a 47-yard field goal, making this score a 27-21 game. Watson got the ball back with six, down by six with 50 seconds left and zero timeouts. And the kid gets it done. It took him two plays. He went 75 yards and scored a touchdown. It only took him 14 seconds. The first play was to DeAndre Hopkins for 38 yards that somehow got behind Lattimore and was able to get out of bounds. The second play, the Saints sent Von Bell on a safety blitz from the left. Watson recognized the blitz, slid to his right, then throws a 37-yard perfect pass to hit Kenny Stills, his newest target, in stride for the touchdown. He was lit up on this play, and his O-linemen were, were telling him what happened on the play when he was laying on the ground after it. Just another example of why they needed to get him more O-line. Then the score was 27-27, to and Kami Fairbairn shanked the extra point, and we thought it was going to overtime. But then there was a roughing the kicker, and he got to re-kick the extra point. Then he made it, 28-27, and everyone thought the Texans had just won the game. But 
the Saints got the ball back, and there were still 30 seconds, 37 seconds left, and one timeout. The Saints have Drew Brees, so of course he completed the 15-yard pass and spiked the ball. Then he completed the 11-yard pass and spiked the ball. Then there were six seconds left. The the Saints needed about nine to 10 yards to get into field goal range. So what did the Texans do? They dropped three safeties 27 yards behind the line of scrimmage in an extremely soft coverage that just I could not get my mind around. So Drew Brees hurried up to the line, called hike, and Ted Ginn Jr. goes out, catches a nine-yard pass, falls to the ground, and takes a timeout with two seconds left. This sent Will L- this set Will Lutz up to make a 58-yard career-high field goal for the win, and he just nails it. This game had so much excitement, and it went back and forth in the fourth quarter it was just it was just pure entertainment and i loved every second of it now the big players in this game were obviously Deshaun Watson and Drew Brees Deshaun Watson completed 20 out of his 30 passes for 268 yards with 40 rushing yards three touchdowns and one interception Drew Brees had he completed 32 out of his 43 pass attempts he had 370 yards for uh, passing two touchdowns and one interception now i want to talk more about the texans Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson as uh, running backs, Carlos did amazing. I was super impressed with the Texans running back, especially after Lamar Miller's injury, which I wasn't too concerned about anyway. Hyde had 10 carries for 83 yards. Duke Johnson had 9 carries for 57 yards. Together, they averaged 7.3 yards a carry. Hopkins did his work. He got 8 catches, 111 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Uh, The speedster Will Fuller, who is coming back from a torn ACL from last season, had 2 catches for 69 yards. One of them was a catch for 54 yards where he absolutely mossed Eli Apple. Kenny Stills, the newest member of the Texans, had three catches uh, three catches for 37 yards and one TD. The best player on the defense for me was Whitney Merciless. He had four solo tackles, one sack, and an interception. For the Saints, Alvin Kamara had 13 carries for 97 yards. He also had seven catches for 72 yards. Latavius Murray played okay, not amazing. He had six carries for 43 yards, and Michael Thomas did his work as well, getting 10 catches, 123 yards. Ted Ginn also had seven catches and 101 yards. This was the most exciting game to me, and I can't wait to see both these players, both these teams play in Week Two. The next game we'll be covering is the Detroit Lions see Arizona Cardinals. What began as a rough start for rookie quarterback Kyler Murray quickly turned into one of the best debuts I've seen from a quarterback in a while. He didn't have the stats like others did this week, but he was calm and composed. I loved every second of his game in the second half, throwing for 250-plus yards and two touchdowns and an 18-point fourth-quarter comeback to force overtime against Matt Stafford and the Lions. Finishing the game with 308 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception thrown in the first half, Kyler Murray quickly calmed himself into the starting role. While he wasn't able to win the game and only managed a tie, he showed his poise in the pocket as well as his actual throwing ability. The game was also monumental for Larry Fitzgerald. He finished with eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown, which for a guy his age should not be happening. He reminded everyone that he still has the skill to be one of the better wide receivers in the game. The run game, however, was not as effective. With David Johnson leading both teams in yards on the ground with 82 yards on 18 carries. Matt Stafford started the season on a high note, throwing for 385 yards and three touchdowns. The major surprise from the game was TJ Hawkinson, who had six catches for 131 yards and a score. Showing a lot of potential during the game, 
I can see the trio of Hawkinson, Galladay, and Amadola being a very potent group of wildcards this season. Uh, the Cardinals and Lions game was a very shocking and surprising game. I had this game as a wild card game, not knowing how Murray's first game would go. The fact that the score was 24 to 6 with 13 minutes and 46 seconds left in the fourth, and they were able to come back and force overtime is incredible. It shows that Kyler Murray is special. This is a rookie's first NFL game, and he's not just any rookie. He was the number one overall pick in last year's draft. The amount of pressure, amount of pressure and expectations he has on him, and for him to stay calm and collective was just amazing to see. Another note in this game was Larry Fitzgerald is still extraordinary. This man is unreal. He had eight catches for 113 yards and came up big in the fourth quarter, scoring the touchdown to tie the game at 24. Then with a diving catch only 45-yard pass that lined up their field goal in OT, also on that drive on second down, Murray rushed for negative two yards. But my problem with this play was he was hit out of bounds. Murray got gets his feet taken out from under him, by Tracy Walker. Murray had already taken two steps out of bounds. It was almost past the white of the sideline. To me, this was clearly unnecessary roughness and should have made a first and goal half the distance to the goal. Instead, it was third and goal, which Murray ended up throwing away and taking a field goal. Also, the Cardinals still had a chance to win this game when Stafford threw a terrible pass to the sideline with five seconds left in overtime. And Tremaine Brock dropped an easy interception that would have given the Cardinals the ball with five seconds on the Lions 30. It's still amazing that the Cardinals even had a chance in this game. The Lions, the Lions, to me, made key mistakes. Stafford got stripped in the pocket twice, the second one giving the Cardinals their first points in the game. It led to a field goal af right after at the end of the second quarter. Also, their special teams, they muffed a ball and gave the Cardinals three points. And then in the fourth quarter, with two minutes and 42 seconds left, their punt gets blocked give and, giving and gives the Cardinals great field position. And therefore, Murray mar marches down the field and scores the tying touchdown. Lions played a sloppy game, especially in the second half. Cardinals defense stepped up and only allowed 10 points through the third, fourth quarters and overtime. The game was the game ended in a tie 27 to 27.